What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Making the Turn, the premier green industry podcast that highlights professionals across many areas, including golf course management, sports turf, sales, business, education, landscaping, and more. Making the Turn is hosted by me, BJ Parker. I've spent nearly 25 years in the green industry, mostly as a golf course superintendent, and now I want to bring the knowledge and insight from myself and the many people I've met and continue to meet along the way. Making the Turn will provide valuable content for those looking to learn from others, gain useful tips and tricks, and be better in their daily lives. You can find Making the Turn on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe. It helps keep the podcast growing and getting better. Thanks for listening, and welcome to another episode of the Making the Turn podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Making the Turn podcast. I'm your host, BJ Parker, and I got a special treat. It's a first for me, I think. Uh, I'm in I'm in Murfreesboro, Tennessee at Stones River Country Club. I think we're going to talk a little golf and a little business and a lot of other things, real estate, with my friend Michael Osborne. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you, BJ? I'm good, man. Uh, appreciate you inviting me up and hanging out. It's been a while since we've got to sit down. Well, you got you to come back to the home turf every now and then. I know. Uh, you know, I've gotten back to working over at Champions Run, uh, doing some work over there and it's really kind of pulled me in over to here and so this is the old stomping grounds it's been a minute and it's grown a lot since the uh since uh i've been around so it's grown a lot city's grown a lot yep. i mean you were here so the golf course has changed quite a bit yeah. i mean we've we've remodeled probably five greens yeah uh new driving range yep uh New superintendent, new head golf professional. <laughs> just all kinds just of Just sounds new. like all kinds of new. Yep. So um, how long you been here at Stones River? This time. <laughs> we oh, always so like, there was a first we, time. We always like to joke about this time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because all, there's a whole bunch of members that are like, well, I've yeah. been here, and then I left, and then I came back. So yeah. this time is four years. Yeah. Um, now, I grew up just like just like you and Patrick did. Yeah. You know, Dad was here. So Dad was here, and I was here till I was in my 20s through college. Yep. And then I joined eh, a couple years, probably 25, between 25 and 28, yeah. I was here for a couple, two, three years, and then I bounced out for a while. And then, right. Have you pretty much stayed around Murfreesboro? For the most part. Yeah. Uh, we moved We moved into uh, Brentwood briefly. Okay. Uh, right before I got married. So, and then when, somewhere right around 40 or so, we, we, we packed it up, moved back here, and yeah. joined back here, and... Yeah. Been here, running ever since. I think we've been in our house now for seven or eight years back in Murfreesboro. Well, Murfreesboro is really booming. I, I know people listen to this that are from all over, and I, I they get a, their dose of Middle Tennessee, but it really is a, a wild place. I mean, I was driving over here from Eagleville, which I when I texted you, I thought it'd take me five or ten minutes. That ain't happening. No. It took 30 minutes just to get really, I don't, what is it here from here? By mileage, it can't be more than about 10 or 15 miles. It's about that. Yeah, about but right. the traffic's just nuts. And, you know, it is what it is, but I mean, there's just a lot of people around here and just moving and shaking. Well, I'll give you your first number since we're, since we're doing stats and real estate yeah, golf and all the above. I think I saw something yesterday where the average sales price of a house is 115% of the asking price in, in Murfreesboro, Rutherford County. So break that down. Is that that's not double? That's just like if you're asking a hundred grand, you're getting one fifteen. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. So a three hundred thousand dollar house worth three forty five. Yeah. Man, is, have you seen anything like it? Not no. How long I, you been doing real estate? Let's well, yeah, start let's, there. Let's get back. Let's yeah, just right, start. Let's back. start back. Yeah. Let's start back. So yeah, so we don't I, need to jump ahead all around. We just, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I've been in real estate since December of two thousand four. Okay. That's when I started. Um. And I've been a couple places. Started out by Parks, for yep. those that are in the area. Yep. Um, went to Crylike. Did another short stint back at, very short stint back at Parks. Um, and then went to Crylike again. And I was a sales manager yeah. and a broker. And then I pulled up stakes and went to Benchmark about a year and a half ago. Yep. So is there relative similarities or differences between different uh, real estate agencies and stuff like that that you can maybe kind of break yeah, down without uh, being specific. Well, I mean, I can be quasi specific because yeah. there's not a lot of there's not a lot of secrets in in the big deal anymore. So you yeah. have 
you have your traditional real estate companies, and mm-hmm. I call your traditional the ones that have been around forever, your parks, your Caldwell Bankers, yep. your Crylikes, your Remaxes, and you get into a lot of those, and most of those have what we call traditional real estate splits where, you know, house sells for X number of dollars, and agent gets X percentage of X of that. Right. And I'm using X's because yeah. there are antitrust laws in there. Sure. So I'm just going to stick with X. That's fine. And then, but then you get a percentage of that. Like, but relatively speaking, just for someone like me, mm-hmm. if it's a percentage, call it 6%, then you would get the, the agency would get that amount. And then, yeah. Then so you, you would, actually split that yeah. between the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. Right. So you split both ways. Right. And now then the company is going to come in and take company dollar off that anywhere the average is somewhere between 20 and 40%, depending on gotcha. what you got going on. Right. And that can vary from slightly from yeah. company to company. And and now the newer model, which is one of the reasons why I did switch, right. one of the newer models is, is you literally pay a la carte. You pay by the month. And I pay a flat fee every month regardless of whether I do one house or 10 houses, but I take it all home. Uh-huh. There's no, there's no company dollar anymore. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a, an interesting... You know, that's always the thing that... Um, I think there has to be some sort of switch or, or a way to do it differently for because it just... It can be sort of difficult to kind of understand or, get, or, or be advantageous for everybody involved. And so it sounds like, you know, that's a different way of thinking and doing it. It is. And, uh, you know, they, they still all do the same thing. Most, most companies that you'll run across, doesn't matter what company it is, they're going to own a title company somewhere or have a partnership. They're sure. going to have some kind of ownership stake in a mortgage company that they'd like for you to use. And, right. And the big one that everybody's got right now is everybody charges a transaction fee. So that's where you start to try to figure out where the, where the company makes money. Right. Is if you're charging $150 on every single transaction yep. and a company does, oh, I don't know, 12,000 transactions in a year times $150, yeah. that math starts to add up sure. pretty fast. Yeah. So, Well, what, so what would you say is, I mean, you don't have to give your specific numbers, but in general, a real estate agent, what would their goal be for like how many homes they, are, they would like to do per year? At one point, the average agent, and just get ready for this, the average agent will do about five or six deals a year. Five or six. That's what the average agent in the Across area Across the entire spectrum. Across the spectrum. Yeah. That's full-times, part-times, that's whatever, but they're doing So if you're killing it, what are you doing? Like you're in the top 20%. If you're in the top 20%, you're probably doing... You probably are clicking off 30 or more transactions a year. Okay. You're doing about three a month, two and a half to three a month. And what separates those people from, say, someone just doing average? Just, they don't, the... It depends on how you work your business. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got, and that's the that's the beautiful thing about real estate is it's not a business model. You can't just do it one way and it works. Right. Like, I'll do as much business playing golf and smoking cigars Sure. As I'll do, pick up a phone call and trying to call 40 people and cold call and hoping that somebody answers the phone. Yeah. Um, I have a standing Monday deal where I'm up, there's a cigar shop up on the square called the Humidor up here. Uh-huh. Starting about two o'clock in the afternoon to about six in the afternoon. You want me, you probably find me up there and we'll sit up there and I'll, I'll sit there and we'll, I'll smoke cigars and I have my laptop and I'll be doing other work. Yeah. But I bet you... I would venture to say on any given year, I'll do two to four deals a year, hanging out on Mondays up there. From that deal? From that deal. Yeah. And then hanging out here at Stones River, I'm probably catching another three or four out of that. Yeah. So there's eight. And then, so if I'm trying to do 20, that means I got to pick up, pick up 12 more. Right. Somewhere that's not here and there, that's not golf and cigar directly related. Right. And most of those are referrals. And I think that's for the majority of people that are doing it. They, that's just how you got to do it, right? It should be. I mean, yeah. unless you're, like I said, unless you're picking up the phone, calling 40 people, hoping to get somebody on the phone. Yeah. And you're doing it eight hours a day, seven days a week. Right. 
Now, how does, say, Benchmark or any of your other agencies, how do they help you? Do they get people that just call the office and say, hey, I don't know anybody? Is that is that rare? Is that how's that work? That works some. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, and I'll, I'll back up. And like I said, I've, I've never left anywhere where I've really got any problems with where I left. But when I left Crylike, they had floor duty. That's what some people, some companies call it opportunity time. Some call it floor duty. Some call it whatever. Right. Um, we called it floor duty, and uh, you know it was surprising that you would get not an immense number of calls, uh-huh. but I mean, if you worked enough floor duty, you probably could do two, three deals a year if you were if you were working floor duty three times a week for three hours at a time. Yeah. Somebody eventually would call in or walk in. I mean, you know, the glorious location that Crylike has is it's right next door to Demas's. Yeah. You know, yeah. and for those that are local, you know, <laughs> everybody knows what Demas's That's is. That's right. So, I mean, people will get out of Demas's and walk over next door to Crylike <laughs> and get the local magazine or get this or that, yeah. get, get whatever, or walk in and just ask questions because everybody who comes into town gets told if you're coming into town, you got to go try Demas's. Right. So, you know, that's... The location there kind of made made that sure that might, a little bit more. It's probably strategic in a little way. I would imagine. I would think that Harold was pretty smart about yeah. that. I've always known him to be a pretty pretty intelligent guy. Yeah. What? So, did you start out in real estate after you graduated college, or did you go to college for that, or how did I that? I didn't. I chased down a separate road of the great BJ. So, and we were actually not very far apart from being in exactly the same spot. Oh yeah. So when I graduated, uh, I was actually an assistant at Opryland when I graduated. I was yeah. assistant golf. You was in golf. Assistant. I was on the golf, golf side. side. Yeah, golf pro. I was on the golf side. Yeah. I was calling you saying, "Hey, sprinkler heads broke on six. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but right after that, I was at Brentwood. You were. I, I was. I was not there when you were there. You were not. Yeah. You were there. I think you were there right after I left, actually, because yep. I got there. I was there through 2001. I started in, yeah, I started in 2004. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, had, I had left, but, yep. but you know, all the same guys were there. Bridgman was there. Yep. All the, all, all the, all the that same cast right. I cannot remember. That. I, I, that's hard. It's wild how that that it, I, it's funny. Small world, big it, world, small it, world. It, it does because I, I do remember that. I, rem, I don't know. I remember coming there and and seeing you there, but you you had had to have left just shortly after that. Yeah, I, I left. I left right. At, I mean, I hate to use the. It's easy for everybody to remember, and I hate to use it, but I left right after nine eleven. Yeah, I started. Well, that's two thousand one. Yeah, you so. were a couple of years behind that, yeah. but you were you were still in the area. You were, yeah, was you were coming in business. Yeah, yep. you were a golf club. That's yeah, right. I, I, at the golf club and then went over there but yeah man that that's um so so you didn't want to pursue the golf thing huh or no i kind of got so i went uh i'll name you a couple of interesting ones so i started at started opryland who'd you work for there uh ryan scott and uh who was there at that time oh i forgot who the director was ryan was our head pro and there was a guy there for a long. Uh, Monica was probably at the. Uh, she Mike was ne- the, Nedro. Mike Nedro. Mike Nedro. <clears throat> Mike was Nedro. Monica on the superintendent side? Was she the yes. course superintendent? Yeah, at the she time? she was there. Yeah. She she was already there. That was in two thousand. I mean, Shalia, not Monica. Shalia. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes. Yeah. My 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 most fond memory or my most vivid memory of being at Opryland was you know you've been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. You get there early in the morning, coming off the Cumberland River. That's, Fog bank. Yes, it is. I mean, you, we have most people have rain delays. We have fog delays down <laughs> in, down at, down at the Opryland. Yep. And uh, I will never forget having to pick up the radio and call in because two birds going about ninety miles an hour hit that big glass <laughs> in the imagine. back of the old pro shop yep. doing ninety and just boom, just fell over. Wow. They, they hit the glass. Done. Yep. That and, happens. And we walked out and went. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, we got two. We got two outings today. We're going to get this cleaned up. Man, so where'd you end up? At, so after that, where'd you go? Yeah, so 
it's been a golf it's been a golfing experience. So I went from Opryland to Blackberry Ridge. That yeah, that's not even existence. That anymore. doesn't even exist anymore. That's yeah. gone. And yeah. then I went from Blackberry to Brentwood. Yep. And then I got out after Brentwood. Got you. Now we can back up a little further because we were talking before we started recording. Yeah. We both went to Oakland High School. We did. And I went and I was we decided it was three years ahead of him, but we both played on the golf team for one year. We did. Yep. You were there. That was our senior year. Yep. That was your senior year. Senior I was a year. freshman. Yep. And I think I think I was about the only freshman playing varsity. Probably would have been. When we were there. Of course, there weren't that many of us anyway, yeah. but I think Michael Charlton and I both got there at the same time, and I think he and I were playing a little bit of varsity, and it was you and Slicker. Yep. Eric Pascal. Eric Pascal was yep. there the first year. Ramsey. Yep. Yep. And uh, just the smattering of whoever else happened to be there. Yeah, I don't remember point. everybody, but, but that, yeah, that's that was right. that was those those were the yep. you Eric Slicker and Ramsey and me. I think yep. that's probably we're pretty five. much the starting five. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we go all the way back there, and then of course your brother was running around chasing soccer ball. Yeah. You and him spent a couple of years together. We spent a couple of years yep. chasing around, and you know we still get together because he's in the real estate business. Yep. So he and I chase around. We still we still chat and talk business quite a bit. Yep. Um. So went through that. Got through high school. Went to college. I went to middle. Uh, worked for the athletic department. Didn't play golf in college. Yeah. Skipped that part. Uh, but I worked for the athletic department for four years. Sure. So. Uh, I got I got more of a I got more experience there than I definitely would have yeah. playing, but and I missed it. I played a lot. I still played all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I, my handicap today is probably as low as it was in co- in college, but you know yeah. that's because I finally got to a point where I can play some more again. Sure. Um. Then went in the golf business. Stayed there till one. Got. In start of 02, I got in with the Powercaddy business. You remember Powercaddy, motorized walking carts. Okay. Over. I wasn't familiar with the name, but yeah, I know what it is. So they were they were manufactured in England. Okay. And I went to work for a guy, and he had the U.S. distribution rights. So every Powercaddy that came over from England came through Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And after being there for about a year, year and a half, I was like, eh, I think I'm going on. I'm going to think I'm going to open a shop. Yeah. Because I still had it, still had the desire. Sure. And he's like, well, why don't we just open partial shop where you can do repairs and we'll do, we'll keep doing the Palcade thing. So then he sold me half of the business mm-hmm. and we did that. And so I did that for another couple of years and then he got ready to retire and we kind of didn't agree on what the value of the business was at that point. I know where this is all headed. <laughs> and so we ended up with a third party out of Chicago that came in and offered us a number and we just looked at each other and said, they can have it. Yeah. So we sold it to them and I got out and that was in March of 04. Right. So I left Brentwood and I got out of the business in 01 and I got out of the Powercaddy business by 04. So sure. that was those three years. And then I spent about four or five months trying to figure out what's next. Right. Because now you've, already, you, you've tried almost the entire golfing world. You've been in golf retail. You've been in rep. You've repped for a major line. You've been in the golf business. You've taught golf. So a buddy of mine goes, hey, I'm in the mortgage business. You need to get in a real estate business so you can send me leads and I can send you leads. And I was like, I ain't tried that yet, so let's go that way. <laughs> let's, let's let's just let's just try that. Yeah, let's try it. Let's try it. So, December of '04, I get a real estate license and go through two five oh five oh six oh seven. Seems to be working out okay. And then you yeah. get to oh eight nine and ten, and yeah, you know we we see the exact polar opposite of what we're seeing in today's real estate world. You know. Yeah. It, <clears throat> It's not that nobody. It's not that people can't afford to buy the houses. It's that they can't afford to buy the house because of what it actually costs to build it now. Right. I mean, there was plenty of land, plenty of lots, plenty of inventory, plenty of everything in two thousand eight, nine, and ten. And mm-hmm. 
somebody told me a stat the other day, and I just shook my head and went, yep, probably. And they said there's more real estate agents in the state of Tennessee than there are houses for sale. Now, it wouldn't shock me, but that's a lot. That's a lot. But but, but there's not just a whole lot of houses. There's, what The inventory is not great. No. I when mean, you figure in Rutherford County, you just figure in the greater Rutherford, in Rutherford County by itself, there's probably somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200 real estate agents just in Rutherford County. Yeah. Now, that's less than 1% because there's 150,000 people in Rutherford County. Or actually, there's almost 200,000 people. There's 150,000 people in Murfreesboro. Yeah, I would say. I'd say as a, yeah, it's 150,000 in Murfreesboro. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like a lot. I mean, mathematically, it is a lot. But right. if you go look at how many listings are on the market in Rutherford County right now, there aren't but probably three, 400 listings in the entire market. Total. Total. So yeah, there's three times as many agents as there are listings just in this county. Now, I guess not knowing this or any stat about it in particular, but I would imagine that there's a lot of people just got their license because they thought, I'll just be a real estate agent. And they don't do nothing with it. Four worst letters in the world. H-G-T-V. Yeah. HGTV has killed <laughs> everything for everybody. I hear, I hear you. Because <laughs> everybody gets on there and goes, Man, I can do that. Yeah. Well, that's easy. I can, yeah. do, I, can do, I can do what they're doing. You know, I actually encourage people, if you want to see what the pain and suffering and headaches actually look like, and I've met a couple of these guys, you know, the million-dollar listing guys that are on Bravo. You know, I'm, um, I've met Altman and his brother, and they're just exactly the same in real life as you would think they are on television. Yeah. And I get it. You know, there's some drama because it's on Bravo and it's, well, they got to Hollywood it up. They Hollywood it But the key is they Hollywood it up with their interactions with each other. They don't Hollywood it up so much in what they're doing to their clients. Sure. So if you take out the drama between Josh and Josh and whoever, whoever they're talking to, take out the drama between the agents and just watch the interaction between the agent and the client and how the client gets angry about this or that or has an unrealistic expectation or has this and that. And let me just tell you, those guys, those guys are doing $300 million a year in real estate. They're yeah. not doing $3 million in real estate. They're doing $300 million in real estate. Yeah, They've seen stuff that none of you have ever seen. They've seen stuff that I have only dreamed to ever see. Yeah. But, and I've learned things. I've watched the show. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched it for about the last two seasons, but I watched it early on. You know, I've read Josh's book. There, there's some stuff out there. But I, I've learned things just from just from watching the show on how to how to handle a specific situation. Yeah. Because I take the, I take the drama out of it and understand that there's some real real estate knowledge behind it but it's not what they make it out to be i mean they're driving bentley's and rolls royces right. and josh altman's got a sponsorship i mean he's actually he's a real estate agent with a sponsor that's porsche so i mean you know he's driving porsche on the show because well it's great porsche advertisements giving, for them porsche is giving him cars sure. and every time he drives up and pulls up at a listing pulls up in a porsche everybody yeah. knows hey he's driving porsche panamera yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in some sense. Why wouldn't I, you? Yeah. I mean, that's free advertising for them or whatever <laughs> and exposure. So that's right. I would, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious about the real estate um, industry for a lot of reasons. I, I think the biggest one is because over the past, so a little bit about me that you may not know is I got let go in Brentwood in 2015, kind of out of the blue. And I, decided what I wanted to do and didn't want to do and and I've always been a golf course superintendent mm -hmm. at heart I was you know it's kind of hard to get out of it I still am but you know starting your own business or trying to make your way through that is not as easy and it's not as lucrative as you would think it would be I mean unless it's you not. get unless you get to a high-end facility or you get multiple courses or you start a business where you can get 10 or 12 courses in clientele and I'm you know I'm at two but I'm working my way around that and but so 
I and my kids being grown, I, I have an opportunity and not being married anymore. So I'm like, you know, what do you want to do that can sort of pacify the rest of your life? And well, and your time is yours. So yeah. now you now you really got to go. Okay, when I wake up in the morning. What what's my purpose? Sure. And I think and I think I'm in that season where I'm trying to figure it out. And one of the things that I've really studied over the last couple of years, because I got into podcasting and mentorship and listen to all these people, is the idea of real estate being, if not the biggest, but maybe the second biggest industry that's made the most people money, i.e. millionaires or whatever. And you know, not that the money's a big deal to me, but it, you know, I'd, I'd rather be happy with money than happy without it. You know what I mean? Well, you can look and you look at the wealthiest people. Yeah. And the, their biggest holdings in their lives still are real estate holdings. Sure. I mean, they're not, they, they own, they own stock in their company and that stock, you know, your Jeff Bezos and your Bill Gates and those guys, and they own substantial quantities of, Stock and Microsoft, Amazon, pick your favorite, yeah. Tesla, Elon Musk, whatever. But then go do a deep dive and, 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 and good luck finding it because it's all in a shell corporation. It's all covered up and you can't find it. Right. But but there's no doubt they have real estate. Go sit down with one of them and actually get an honest answer and yeah. ask them how many, how many vacation homes do they own and how much property and yeah. do they own, does, does Bill Gates own all the property that the Microsoft home office sits on he's getting lease back on the building from them and yeah. you know that they're the richest people in the world own real estate so, well th- that's my point is no doubt uh, that is that is sort of fundamentally the principle of where you kind of want to get in life and and i if I, i've always said if i could go back and tell my 20 year old self that that's the industry i would have studied yeah like growing up here in murfreesboro mm-hmm. i wish i'd have bought up every piece of land I could have, you know, growing, but you just don't have the foresight to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, we're looking at stuff and I'll just go back. Let's go back. Let's not go back all the way back to your, when you were 20. Yeah. Let's go back to 16 years. I've been in real estate and I could have gone to Case and Lane, you know, we're sure. over in Case and Lane. Yeah. You could have gone over in Case and Lane, bought a house for $90,000, $95,000. This was right after we both were out of college and we're both. Yeah. Eight. This is after 2011. Yeah. I mean, tw- uh, 2001. 2000, 2001. Yeah. yeah, it's after 2001. Yep. You and I have beaten around still trying to grow grass and teach people how to swing golf club. Yeah. You could have bought a house over there for $95,000. It's now worth $280,000, $290,000. I mean, there's wealth. That, that's wealth. I, I, I told my brother this the other day. I was like, man, I, the dumbest decision I ever made was when we bought into uh, a community out off of Newsom Station in Bellevue called mm-hmm. Lexington Point. Um, there was the first phase, there was about 30 houses, bought it for like $125,000 yep. in Bellevue. I just moved there, you know, going to work for uh, Golf going Club. Golf Club, yeah. Yeah, we lived in apartments for a couple of years. This was, I was still married at the time. I said, man, if I would have just bought house after house after house, they're, worth, they're, they're going for three fifty. You know, I could have rented them. You know, I... I I just didn't have the knowledge. And that's the thing that I, I try to pass on to my kids. Like, look, there's a lot of things you can do in life. You need to be happy. But you need to start thinking about this as being something that's cornerstone to what you're doing. And I just wish that – I don't I don't guess I, – I say this, um, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? You know, 20 years ago? Yeah. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, you know – Until you do it, you haven't done it. Right. So it's like – why not? Why not get into it? And so I would I would pick your brain about where to where would be some ideas. If you're not wanting to be a real estate agent, which I'm necessarily not, I think it's just like we talked about, it's just supply it's, and demand. It, and and it, it's supply and demand, it's personality types. It's, yeah. it's 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 everybody when you wake up in the morning, it depends on how you pick your purpose. Yeah. And you know, we've talked about it with your brother. Because your brother, like I said, we've we've talked about that. Your brother does the same thing I do. I yeah. mean, we're we're basically the same guy at two different companies. Exactly. Um, but it's a matter of whether or not you wake up in the morning with the purpose. Yep. And, you know <laughs> I guess if I had to do it over again, if I could go back twenty years, since we're planting trees. Yeah. If I could go back 20 years, I would probably have a different perception on buying commercial property. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you, 
flips are hard. I can imagine. Um, for one, finding something to begin with. You know, foreclosures are not what they were because house prices, nobody's foreclosing, they're just selling it. Sure. They've got to get it. If they can't afford their house anymore, they're selling it and making money because yeah. obviously we talked about 115% over asking price. Yeah. So they're not hurting. So it's hard to find something to flip. We'll start with that. Mm-hmm. And then it's really hard to have, I mean, I, I know quite a few guys that have a successful rental portfolio of residential houses. So if you got, I always tell everybody, you got to have five. If you're planning on getting into the residential leasing market and you want that to be part, it can't be one. You'll go broke yeah. with one. Yeah. Because something's got to offset the one that's not making any money when it's not making any money. Right. And once you get to four or five houses, you didn't have enough buffer that you can have a house down or two houses down because of a roof or an HVAC unit or somebody's moved out and you found some rot where they didn't take care of it. Or right. Heaven forbid somebody destroys one. <laughs> and then you got to go in and take it to the studs and drywall paint whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, one one will break you. Five will give you a retirement plan. Yeah. But... I can also go to a commercial place and buy a small strip center that's got three or four spots in it and I own one piece of real estate and I got three different rents. Yeah. I've already I've solved the residential problem in yeah. one buy. Yeah. That's my whole thing around apartment and and owning multiple doors with one piece of property. Multi doors, one property. Yeah. That's the answer. That anybody else who's doing it any other way unless they've already gotten into the rentals. Yeah. You know, the guys that I know that don't come to me going, Oh my God, what am I gonna do? They own at least three. Yeah. I, I just think I mean, when you have let's like use your example with if you got four houses, five houses, if you've got an occupancy and a vacancy in one of them, that dings you pretty hard. But if you've got a hundred and fifty apartments and you got you know you got some level of apartments that are probably but that that doesn't show up as much and, and you in your your yeah your gap is a, a lot you got a lot more variance in terms of what you can do and unless you're a big unless you're in the big deep dollars you're probably not looking at 100 doors or 200 doors but there's a lot of smaller apartment complexes yeah. that still works for that you know you get Forty doors, fifty doors. Sure, that that's that's kind of a sweet spot for for more of a what I'll call an entry level. Yeah, guy. Yeah, I think I mean some people even starting with like fourplexes, five, you know, eightplexes, quad. You know, you know, yeah, two duplexes and quadplexes are a really yeah. good place to start because at least if you're going to do that, you're getting two, you're getting a minimum of two doors on yeah. one property. Yeah, and you can figure that out. Yeah, and well, I you even, live in one and rent well, the that's, other. That's kind of what I. That's where exactly what I was getting ready to say yeah. is at that point you almost decide okay I'm going to do the duplex or the quadplex, yeah. and you go and you decide okay I'm going to live in one, and I'm going to make the note, or I'm going to live in one and try to rent out the other side to make the note, mm-hmm. so that my side's free. Yeah, and I'm at least covering the note, and then if something happens, I know I can make the note. Yeah, without the rent coming out from the other side. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, to, do you listen to anybody? Do you have any, like, mentors or people that you've learned this from, or is this kind of stuff you just listen Man, this to? this is 16 years of... Just grinding. I, 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 I say it the wrong way. I call it garbage in and garbage out, but, yeah. It, it's yeah, it's 16 years of grinding and paying attention, and, you know, I, the... I will tell you who I think some of the best real estate agents are. The best real estate agents are the ones you don't ever hardly hear from. Sure. Because they're listening. They're listening a lot, you know, and I'm listening and I'm, and I'm blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. We're, we're sitting in what's called the river room yeah. at Stone River Country Club. And so my investment is a ten to $15,000 investment of my time spent up here. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing the things that you hear because of who the members are. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got lumber companies, builders, agents, city officials, and usually you don't have to talk. 
if you'll just sit back and best piece of advice I ever give anybody, go to a cigar shop. Because those are all, almost every time you go to a cigar shop, you're talking about influential people. Mm-hmm. Two smoke cigars. You go to a country club, you go to a golf course, you go to somewhere where the clientele is a little step up. And just listen. Don't be part, don't be part of the conversation. Just listen to the yeah. conversation. And you'll be amazed at the things that you'll learn and the knowledge that you'll garner. And, you know, some of the stuff that we've talked about today is purely information that I've derived from being here. Right. From from being here or being there or just listening. You know, it's not mine. I haven't gone out and dug those numbers up. I, 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 I do that from time to time, but I'm not digging that up because I don't need to because somebody's out here already done all the legwork and they're telling me what the number is. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I'm very analytical i have a lot of philosophy about life i'm a numbers guy and there's and there's a couple of things i mean there's a reason why you know we are do better to listen than to talk a lot and you know it's 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 something to be said for putting yourself in proximity to things to get information because that's really what it's about it's about gathering the information and then what can you do to use it to get it out and figure out how to do it yeah, yeah. what best what what information is actually relevant yeah you know and again you run into people who even in those groups you run into people who just love to talk yeah and they'll put they'll put out all kinds of information like well this is this and this is you know, I don't know if we're doing exploits, but it's, it's, it's bullshit, you know, yeah. we're just, uh, you know, and right. they'll, they'll be angry about something they got stuck in. Now, yeah. that may be something where they're just blowing off. Sure. Or there may be something there that's like, they're angry, yeah. and there was really a nugget in there that I needed to pay attention to because it's going to affect what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. best one I gave you, best one I give you an example of, so I had lunch with somebody yesterday. And we'll leave him nameless. Uh, it's a builder, and he does a little developing. And we literally had the conversation that if something doesn't change, and I think I read a report. I have to look at it again. If something doesn't change shortly, that there may not be any lumber to be supplied, or definitely not enough lumber to be supplied by July of this year. That's a problem. And the biggest thing right now is, is they can't find enough glue to create plywood and OSB. Because all that stuff is not, that's not planed wood. You can't run that through the mill. Right. You know, you've got to have materials. And so I kind of looked at him and I went, what are you talking about? He goes, do you remember what it was like to get bottled water and toilet paper about this time last year? Yeah. He goes, well, that's what you're doing with housing materials right now. So breakers for breakers and breaker boxes, OSB, lumber, uh, outlets. I had one the other day that didn't close on time. We closed two weeks late because we couldn't get a septic tank. These damn spam calls. <laughs> Is I mean. We couldn't get a septic that, tank in the that, ground. That's going to be a, a real issue. Is that is that a result of the pandemic and some of the stuff we've gone through for supply chain disruption, or do you think it's something else? I'll I'll call it pick your poison. Yeah, um, the pandemic had a lot to do with supply chain because you had a bunch of people that weren't going to work that weren't manufacturing anything. That right. you know, you got to have somebody in the glue factory making the glue. Right. And so if they went to half shifts and third shifts to spread everybody out to social distance everybody to do the right thing and that's not an advertisement for this that or anything else i'll just disclaim up front i just had my second covid shot right before we came to do this today so but my wife's also in the medical industry and she does lung transplants for a living so guess what i guess what daddy's not bringing home (laughs) that's right (laughs) they're not bringing covid home because she's got problems if i do so yeah because we already did it i did have it last year Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, that didn't go over very well. Uh, so COVID shot number two today. But so everybody is doing what publicly is correct in social distancing with PPE and doing their things in their factories. But that just means you can't put as many people in the room. Right. 
I mean, we've, we figured that out. You can't do it. So you've got less glue being made. I mean, I saw the other day where well, Remington Firearms was having trouble with supply chain sourcing stuff, and they got bought out of receivership, and whoever bought them now is making sure that they're going in and they're going to go back to full they're going back to full factory yeah like next week or something like that uh so when you can't get supply and you don't have people on the floor and then the lumber mills were running at half capacity um i guess somebody said the other i guess from the same person we were talking about yesterday talked about that they're just actually kind of hoping that they run out of glue and things like that because that's they're going to take the opportunity and shut it down for 60 or 90 days and retool mm-hmm. now if they shut it down for 60 to 90 days his his little premonition is going to come true because i can tell you right now if you go right down you go right down to the lumber lumber store you go to home depot and i looked at it a couple days ago a standard sheet of four by eight plywood was $62. My gosh. And you and I bought that stuff. How many things you bought for the golf course where you were trying to lay uh, lay plywood out so your tractors wouldn't tear yeah. shit up and whatnot? You're buying that stuff for $15, $18 board. Yeah. 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 Try to go buying it for $62 a board. That that's makes what, the that's cost what right of now. doing business very high. Well, I mean, you just figure. Well, I, so I have another guy who's an electrician who's a client of mine who I sold five acres to that he's trying to build his own house on he put the foundation in he did a lumber takeoff about a year ago and it was going to be forty thousand dollars in the, for the lumber <laughs> package and he did the same lumber takeoff this year because he decided not to do it last year and he did it and it was ninety five thousand dollars wow two and a half times or yeah. double plus a little and the land didn't go up that much or in the value and I mean well nothing else went up I yeah, mean it's hard to... you got you got labor shortages mm-hmm. you got not enough painters you got not enough HVAC guys you got no hard you're almost out of electricians and plumbers because they're not trade they're not teaching trades anymore yeah so all that's gone so all the every time any of that comes up everybody always goes hey well what would you do I'd probably go out and open an electrical company and go out and find some college kids or some kids that didn't make it in college and put them in Votech and make them go learn to be electricians and I'm just going to run the company. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd probably, I'd probably make $150,000, $200,000 a year just running. If I had four electricians, I could run to go wire houses and fix your ceiling fan or do light jobs and heavy jobs yeah. if I could just do that I promise you I could make enough money I wouldn't care but you can't find them yeah it's the skill I mean you gotta skill you gotta trades. train you gotta train somebody it's skill traits yeah I mean you know it it's not specific to the real estate industry though I, I promise you the golf it's not golf business the our turf you order you order a, uh, you need to go order a part for something and good luck you don't know when you're gonna get it you don't know how you're going to get it. Um, it's just, you know, uh, it's affected everything. And, well, it's people too. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't hire people. You can't hire people to work at the golf course hardly mm-hmm. anymore. No. I got. I had a phone conversation today with a guy. He's wanting to know if I knew of any sources for people just to work part time because he can't get anybody. I can ask. You can ask that question right down right down the number one fairway right here yeah. at our at our shop because yeah. we're in the same boat. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. It's industry-wide in our business where you just, I mean, well, I'll just give you the, the best example I can give you. Right now, you know, in this day and age, if I, and I don't know what you're paying here, but let's just, let's just for round numbers say we're $15 an hour, you know, which is pretty high, but it's, you know, it's not uncommon. Well, they can pretty much go to work at McDonald's or some other place for that and not do any of the work that we're doing or asking them to do, get up at the time of day that they're doing, work in the rain, sure. cold. You know all these different things work on holidays. We well, know Amazon's going fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, so, so I mean, you can go stand like, over there if you want to stand here. Yeah, so how many how many people are you going to get to do this? It's hard, and 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 unless they 
you know, I've, I know friends of mine who are in the, um, you know, the legal way of getting uh, immigrants here, H-2B visas and things like that. That's even more difficult because these companies, you know, if you're Stones River Country Club, guess what? You're not getting a H-2B visa no. because they're going to Walmart or somewhere else or some big corporation. Well, they're going somewhere they can work 40, 50 hours a week because right. it's a bigger, better paycheck. And and in your well, you have to apply for them, and, and they yeah. just they just run out before you can get them. Right. So I mean, it really is a it it really is a major problem, and one that I've actually tried to figure out how to solve because I think you're going to find most golf courses just take our industry for one. They're going to hire their superintendent, maybe their assistants, and a mechanic. And then they're going to start farming out a lot of this other stuff. You know, they might have one or two that they, you know, somebody that's been there a long sure. time. But then you, you know, you're going to farm out maybe people coming in uh, from an outside subcontractor that has laborers, and then you're not really concerned about how they got them or right. if they're legal or what. That's, that's not, on your that's yeah, not your problem. Yeah, you're writing check to the company, not right. to the player. And they're going to come in and do your your bunker maintenance, your weed eating, all your stuff that's not real high impact stuff, but needs to be done. Maybe it's even rough mowing or tree trimming, sure. yeah. you know, that type of stuff. And you're just going to keep the your main focus, the, the, the people you're going to pay, you can find those people because those are, those are good jobs with benefits. And, yeah. But if you're looking at just a skilled laborer, someone you can count on to show up on a Saturday morning and mow greens and, I mean, and you're only going to pay them $12 an hour, good luck. I know. I mean, that's well, not that's happening. What, that's what everybody's running into. I mean, yeah. That, Back to your, your last number is actually what our number is. I yeah. think out here, I think it runs right around twelve dollars an hour. Yeah, I mean that's just good. you're going to find yourself just going. I can't compete. Yeah. Well, we've been fortunately, and again, for those who don't live around this area, you know, MTSU's here, yeah. Middle, Middle Tennessee State University. So we've had a lot of luck in the last decade or so by being able to go out and get college kids. Yeah. You know. College kids that want to stay here, that don't want to go home for the summer, and they need they need a job. They come out and they work Monday through Saturday or Tuesday through Sunday or whatever, working six hour days. Yeah, you know, get here at six in the morning, gone by two. Yep, and we feed them lunch and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And but even that's that well is even starting to dry up now. Yeah, so it's getting it's getting tough. My I think the best source that that may save the uh our industry for is for, and we're doing it a little bit of champions run is finding um people that are retired yeah that want to maybe play golf for you know a discount or free sure but they'll show up and they'll mow and they'll just do a specific job and that's it Right. And this is a that's a model that really works if you can find someone that's eager, you know, they'll they'll do what they're asked. They won't do any more, no less, but yeah. that's all you need. And then well, if you need airways mode one day a week, you yeah. you get you get Joe sixty year old that yeah. has a good work ethic. And again, not that they don't all do it, but you know, that generation's between behind you and I. Yeah. And manual outdoor labor is not really not really in their bucket. No, and, and, but I think because we live longer, one, there's a lot more people that are in then that that at aid baby boomers or call them whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. There's just going to be a lot more people that are retired than they're just kind of not doing anything. Well, they're bored. Yeah. They're, again, it goes back to what we talked about a long time ago. When we started this conversation. We talked about waking up every morning with a purpose. Yeah. And some of these retired guys are still waking up trying to find a purpose because yeah. they can only play so much golf and they can only take so many trips and. Let's be honest. You can only sit around and talk to your spouse for oh so many days. <laughs> That's in a, a whole row. other conversation. <laughs> you can only sit around and talk to your spouse for oh so many days in a row before you're going to go nuts, and yep. she's going to tell you go find something to do. Well, I mean, I just think it. I think it boils down to what I said about you know you retire at an age where now you're like. I mean, hell, I still got 25, 30 years to go. What am I going to do? Is my money going to run out? Am yeah. I, do I have enough now? Right. What do I need to do? Or can I just get out of the house and go do something for fun? Right. And and I think that that's a, outside of what I was talking about earlier with subcontract work, finding you know clubs that can find people that are, re, that are retired and want to mow and do the stuff, the heavy lifting, but it doesn't take a whole lot of more mm. than just hopping on and going. Yeah. You know, that that's an option. But I don't even think, and I haven't talked to anybody in that world. I've known a couple of people, and that's probably a good question for me to ask, because um, 
I haven't been through with like All Star and Wood Personnel and those places to even see what they're, you know, how many people are they placing? Like how how many day laborers are they getting? Because yeah. you know, you go back, you go back when we were at Brentwood, you go back you know, Opryland things like that. We're gonna have a big event or something. It wasn't anything to call one of those people and get ten, fifteen, yeah, day laborers. I mean, if you wanted somebody to just come out and pick up sticks just to make sure the golf course was pretty before the member guest, sure, you can pick up the phone and get yeah, five. Ain't... You get five people from All Star or somebody <laughs> yeah. and come out there and you just put them in a truckster and send them down the road yeah. and tell them to go go pick up every stick you can find out there for nine dollars an hour, or yeah. whatever. Or even if you're paying All Star twelve dollars an hour, they were getting nine. And All Star was getting three. Yeah, I'm not even sure you can do that right now. I, I would, I would dare say you could. I don't know if those companies exist. They, I'm sure they do. Well, they still exist. They're still placing people in now, but they've gone to more executive placement and more workforce. Yeah, high end, high end, stuff. rather than yeah day labor. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's like I said. I mean, and you're feeling it here. I mean, how involved are you in the? Are you involved? On, I know you're. You said uh, you might not have said it on recording, but uh, you're with the uh, the golf side, the men's golf association side. Yeah, I'm still. Are you involved with the? <laughs> yeah, the, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't escape. <laughs> so we're going through all this, and we yeah. talked about all my real estate stuff, but yet, yet the golf game still drags me home. Yeah. Um. So no, this is my. F- third year as uh, the president of men's golf association out here is that an appointed position or are you just self <sighs> it's voluntold Volunt- it's you're, voluntold you're doing it again yeah, you're doing it again brother yeah. <laughs> yeah i did it for two years and i very firmly committed that i wasn't doing it for the third year and that was even after the last year they voted the board unanimously yeah. voted for me to do it for another year because <laughs> apparently they like what i do but um so my replacement that I had handcrafted and gotten him all up to speed, ready to go, taking this job, and I don't have to do it, and I just get to be a member and play golf again and not worry about the minutia anymore is moving to Texas. Oh. <laughs> He's going to be gone within the month. So they looked back at me and go, you built him, he left, you're it. <laughs> so... I said, "All right, one more time, but yeah. this is it. You guys got to find somebody. You got to find a new. You got to find a new dog to kick." Yep. So, uh, but to answer your question, I do. I care a little bit more about the club than some people do, which means I know a little bit more than probably what I should know. Yeah. So yes, I would say I have a little bit more involvement in the turf side of things than yeah. most of your MGA presidents would have in the past. Yeah. I mean, I, we've been sitting here and I actually gotten two text messages from the super yeah. so while, while we were sitting here. That's so. good. I haven't met him yet. What's his name? Robert Coon. Robert Coon. And he that, came from Setting Down in Georgia. Setting. I knew he was from somewhere in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I've had Mac, his assistant, uh, on the podcast before. I know Mac really Yeah, well. Mac's good people. Yeah. Mac's yeah, good so. people. Mac actually, Mac, Mac applied for the job when... Yeah. When Robert came, you know, he Mac was Brownlee's assistant, which Michael Brownlee was our last, yeah. was our last head superintendent, and uh, you know, Robert, Robert used to work here too. Yeah. Robert worked here as a, he actually grew up, he came up in college, and he was a spray tech. That was, mm-hmm. and so, but he went to a couple really nice courses and came in and had a really nice resume and had some really good references from his. In fact, we were just told right before he came that you know his current head was not really happy he was leaving because he was the mad scientist of chemicals for for down there and Uh so um you tell by the golf course and you know bj won't tell you that but that that's what's next i mean we're we're gonna get we're gonna get off this podcast here in a little bit that's right we'll put tea in the ground but uh you'll see that because you've seen it before yeah oh yeah and i think you're gonna see and you're gonna be fairly pleasantly surprised at even in April and it's not fully green yet what he's been able to do in the last year or two you know he took out everything down five five is wide open to the river now there's no growth he wiped out everything nice there's trees yeah but there's no brush yeah 
So you actually, for the first time in a decade, we've actually had a full clean view of that river. That's going to be sweet. It is going to be sweet. Yeah. So like I said, I think you're going to be surprised. There's, he's done some good stuff here. Yeah, you know, I um, I did grow up here and played a lot of golf here. And obviously going to school in Murfreesboro, um, it has changed a lot. And uh, I guess the last time I played it, Michael was probably still here. I think we had a fundraiser or I don't remember. I might have. Sure, you had some kind of turf. Yeah. Turf something here. It's been, he was big into that. It was two or three years ago that I probably was the last time I played here. Now, a lot of this work had been done. Obviously, some of that cosmetic stuff hadn't, but right. the changes, the greens, and all that had been redone. Yeah. Things like that. So, you know, it's a special place to me. I mean, Obviously, I knew the the opportunity came up, and and you know we talked about that, and we don't have to get into all that. But you know things like that don't work out, or they work out for a reason, or whatever. But they do, yeah. But I don't, you know. Heck, I've been doing this enough to know that you just keep plugging along. But it is a special place to me for a lot of the reasons mm-hmm. for growing up, and and uh, you don't have a whole lot of places where. You know, I've been out of the business, and I get this question a lot. It's like, would you go back and be a superintendent somewhere again? And I was like, well. I will never say never. Well, I can t- I can tell you right now. If I told you Augusta came knocking, you'd be in. You'd, well, be, you'd be in Georgia. I'd be probably not even in the top one hundred on the. On a, you wouldn't, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I'd be you, you, you can't say I'm never going back. You no. never can say I'm not going back because the minute you say you're not going back, something special. Comes well, sure, up. and I mean, mm-hmm. even within, even in the last. You know, this place came open. I've, I've applied at several different other places. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, obviously if the golf club of Tennessee were ever to sure, come open, you know, there's, there's there's places that I would love to go back to. Well, I mean, you start finding there's different, and, and even, I've even talked about in the past, if it was the right spot, would I ever go back, would I ever go back through the motions and become an assistant and go back through the motions again? Yeah. Why would I ever say no? I mean, yeah. Do I want to go be an assistant at Southwind? Maybe. Do I want to go be an assistant at Pebble Beach or Pinehurst? Maybe. Mm -hmm. You know. My ultimate goal, and I've said this before, so I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but I want to own a nine-hole golf course facility. That's a good one. And I want to be, I want to build it. I want to have the design rights. Yeah. Um, I want, I'd, I'd love to be the pro, the GM, the superintendent, and not, you know, and delegate a lot of that. But I just, I think to me, and I have come very close on occasion. I didn't know enough about negotiation and business and real estate to really make that deal happen. But, and land cost is crazy. And it's a, it's it's, insane now. It's probably not the greatest business to get into, but I feel like that all my years of experience and all the things I've led up to, it'd be a great opportunity and one I could make work if it was the right place. We like to refer to that as benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> well, you'll have to explain to me fully what that means, but I get the, I get the gist of it. Well, that's because you, you and and we've even joked that places like Stones River, you take somewhere like the farm, mm-hmm. and you take maybe the honors and a couple places where the difference is, and for people who don't know enough you've got a couple different types of golf courses you've got municipal golf which is run by the city Mm -hmm. it's run by a department head and then you've got corporate golf which you and i both have been well a party to more than once yep and that's run by a bean counter more than anything else for sure and then you've got private golf standard private golf that is run by we'll call it Board of directors with a GM at the head, which is, that's what Stone River falls into. Mm-hmm. And then you've got ultra-private golf, which is somebody. <laughs> One dude. One dude with a lot, with a big checkbook. Yeah. And those are the ones that we refer to as benevolent dictators. Gotcha. And then, you know, if you go out and you, uh, you don't like what he's doing... He cuts you a check and tells you yeah, hit the road. Go down, head on down, head on down to your favorite next other club because yep. I get rocks. I get I get to make the call, and if yeah. I tell you you're going to write me a forty thousand dollars check because we're going to have an assessment, and we're going to do all this work. You gonna write me a check? Yeah, and it's called benevolent dictatorship. I have worked well. I, when I was at the golf club, that was not necessarily the case. Although Martha was close, she was she was, was close. There. Yeah, it was very close. I didn't get to work. Bronson had already he was passed away or had already passed away when i started but he but yeah i mean it's close but now it's it's definitely david's yes <laughs> it's his baby so. yes yes it is <laughs> and like i said you got 
I think the honors kind of falls into that category. There's, yep. there's, a, I mean, I, he's got, he's got a GM and he's got some, he's got, he's, he's delegated, like you yeah. say, he's delegated a little of that. But at the end of the day, yep. there's some benevolent dictatorship going on there. And I know the farm is that way because I've, I've, I've bear, yeah. borne witness to stories about guys that have been handed checks and said, you're done. Yeah. Well, there's more than, there's more than a few instances of those golf courses for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and then, and that's an ideal situation for someone to be in on my side of things where sure. you, you just have to answer to one. Because I don't have to tell you when you got four or five people coming at you, it makes a golf course superintendent's job a lot more challenging when you've got all these ideas and different people coming at you from left and right. And Well, if you do it the right way, you can get away with it. Like, and by no means are we perfect. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a good board, if you've got the right board, you know, the board approves your budget, does your thing, but then you break it out into like a golf committee that oversees some golf operations and there's like two board members. And you got the green committee. Yeah. And they that's two board members with a handful of members and house committee and this and that so that you're not getting, you yeah. as a head superintendent, we're not getting nine board members and a GM and everybody coming to you going, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Yeah. You've got two board members that you respond to other than you go to the board meeting and answer questions to the board. Sure. But your direct report yeah. is two board members and they sit there and they have that conversation. Yeah. And that's who your direct report is. And that that way it cleans it up a little bit. And that way you're not constantly getting tugged in 32 different directions. Yeah, I, 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 I was... We at, do have that here. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's probably similar set up to what I've experienced with Brentwood and golf club's a little different. Um, golf club had to be a different animal. It was. It was... It was one person yeah basically yeah it was martha whatever martha decided if if martha woke up and said you are toby yeah well yeah (laughs) Yeah. but um there's a green there's a green jacket tied to that too exactly you know whatever toby said it was probably what we needed to do but you know i i was at brentwood for 11 years and had six different greens chairmans right so that's 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 a challenge in our business to to try because every one of those green chairmen had something different they wanted to accomplish and it makes continuity across your entire job you know a little unique but at the same time if you're skilled enough and communicate enough they usually just come in and ride what you're doing correct and then they might they might you know offer some suggestion or well the best thing a greens chair can do is say hey the membership's talking about this can you go check this out yeah i mean there's a spot over here i need you to kind of come and take a peek and are we about wrapped up yeah, Ben told me five o'clock. Yeah. Oh, no, he. I'm sorry. Yeah, he told me five o'clock. I didn't know that. Yeah, we can wrap up. Yeah, I asked Ben specifically before we started. That's why I, I was just checking. Give me five minutes and then we'll be out of here. <laughs> well, we're cutting it short. I guess we're going to cut it short. Well, that's uh, all right. But hey, we um we can we can wrap up. I know we want to go play golf and hopefully the rain sure. will shut off. Yeah. But uh, they they need this room. So um but. Uh, you know, that's probably something we can you know, circle back to. I hate that word, but we can we can um, you know come back to. Yeah, and talk we can about. revisit that. But because uh, I, 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 th- I love getting the perspective because in my industry, these guys that work for and listen to this podcast, sure. they kind of want to know what other people are going through, and to hear it from a member who's kind of can talk from that side and have been on that side, it's informational because I think sometimes it's an adversarial relationship with with superintendents and boards and chairmen a lot of times. Well, and, and just to clarify, you know, you asked me if I'm really involved in much in that side is. Yeah. The only reason I am is because our MGA is very involved, and we do yeah. we, we we raise we generate we generate some cash, yeah. and so when you run into that, oops, yeah. oh oh oh, that's not my budget. Yeah, they have the ability to come to us, and so I he keeps me kind of apprised as to what's going on sure. because if he needs two grand, three grand, five grand, whatever, yep. he knows he's at least got some kind of backup, right to come to so that's only and again that's not that's not necessarily me being the nosy member yeah as much as i'm just keeping up because he needs to tell me because we may have to write him a check i hear you 
Well, man, um, let's, I hate to cut it off, but yeah, it uh, sounds like sounds like we're uh, interrupting some wedding that, planning. I think uh, is what we're interrupting here. Oh, that's cool. Well, we we uh, I appreciate them letting us use it. Uh, sure. Tell everybody where they can find you, and if there's got if anybody's listening, got sure. some real estate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm here. Anybody? I'm here in Murfreesboro, but I do all the Middle Tennessee area, and it's uh, Michael Osborne. I'm at Benchmark Realty now, and yep. uh, you can get me at six one five three nine seven five zero five four. And then you can hit me up also at the number four, followed by my name, Michael Osborne, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-O-S-B-O-R-N-E at gmail.com. There you go. That's me. All right, my man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Let's go bang some golf balls. And, Let's go uh, get it. Hopefully the rain will hold off. You got it. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Miracle, 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 miracle